0: Welcome to the Behind the Surface podcast, presented by the International Surface Fabricators Association. ISFA exists to serve industry professionals involved in the fabrication of manufactured surfacing materials. With each episode, Behind the Surface inspires fabricators to take their business to the next level. Now with your host, Nancy Bush. Welcome back to the Behind the Surface podcast. I'm Nancy Bush, Executive Director of ISFA, the International Surface Fabricators Association. I'm joined today by my buddy, Mark Rosenkrantz, who is, I mean, he's got a nice resume, lots of years in the industry, but what's important to you is that he is the insurance agent to fabricators, truly. Mark, you know so much about our industry and specifics that fabricators really need for insurance and so that's why i asked you to be with me today and uh, just really appreciate you taking the time to help us out and today we're going to go through the important insurance information for fabricators in 123 and so mark give me a little bit about yourself and then we'll dive into number one which is kind of the general state of insurance
1: all right well thank you and really um uh... I'm always happy to help out and uh, participate in events such as this. Uh, I am in year 41 of being in insurance. Fortunately, it was a family business. Uh, My partner, my father had an agency. We merged with another father's son and uh, our roots go back to 1903. So I I eat a lot of yogurt. So I've uh, aging slowly, but gracefully, Uh, but really is a, you know, for me, I, I niched into stone tile you know that the whole industry uh, about 22 years ago and just got involved with one account then saw how we wrote that then we went to another account and then I got involved really with ceramic tile distributors were my first group then you know MIA, NSI, ISFA and the tile contractors and you know our goal really was always to help the associations you know Get their insurances in place, and then offer our program to uh, to all the members. You know whether they're they use us, but we're we're the resource, and as I say, the value added benefit of being a member in this case of Visva to get some insurance, get some knowledge. Uh, you know, pick our brains. You know, unlike attorneys, we don't charge for our information. And quite frankly, it's it's a unique industry, and clearly, all insurances are not created equal. So, uh, you know, for me, uh, you know, we work with about 220 stone shops throughout the country based in New Jersey. But, you know, certainly it doesn't really matter where we're based out of. We service, you know, we're licensed in in all states and are able to service all locations.
0: That's great. Uh, So over over 200 stone shops, that's that's a lot of that's a lot of fabricators, Mark.
1: Right. Well, unfortunately, we'll do. You know realistically, you know I look at it there's there's three options you have the, the import distributor you have the fabricator and you have the installer some do just one some do two some do all three uh, the beauty of our program it, it it allows for that and it allows for that flexibility um we use you know we used to be a single base carrier but now we use you know four or five of the major carriers whether it be a Hanover Liberty Mutuals CNA Chubb Hartford you know and and other people you know it's not like we're doing anything new that people you know everybody has insurance but a lot of times it's just not specific to what you're doing and it's you no know, off the shelf because they don't you know underwriters clearly don't understand what the industry is and you know most people still think when they hear a, a stone they're thinking you know you know it's dust everywhere say you know messy and they're going to cut themselves you know they, they don't really get the idea And the true exposures so our carriers and our underwriters you know they've been to coverings they've been to stone expo they they understand exactly what we're doing and they they allowed us to make some changes to contracts that really make it more specific to what's going on here
0: i love that well we're going to get to that in step three for sure but um can you speak a little bit about what's going on currently in the insurance business
1: uh uh, it's, it's, we're in a, uh, you know, a lot of times you have hard and soft markets, and this is certainly uh, developing into a, a firm market in the sense that there's been so much, you know, you know, we have bad natural disasters. So we're having fires everywhere. You have floods, you have hurricanes, we've had these tornadoes. Uh, and over the last, you know, three, four years, it's really been impacted. And it really, you know, when that happens, it's just not you know, Florida or Louisiana or California, that are getting hurt bad. They suffer the damage, but everybody shares in that loss and the capacity of the insurance companies. Now we now you take that and you add a short a supply uh, supply shortage and the cost of re- replacement costs. So anything with property to rebuild is you know at an all time high. You know, there's no more where it used to be hundred and fifty dollars or two hundred dollars a foot it's now sometimes 400 600 700 dollars a foot just to rebuild and uh, all of those costs ultimately get have to be shared and that's uh you know makes you think about insurance much differently uh particularly you know insurance now is really designed for a uh, for something big uh small little claims that you used to put in for we you had you know 2000 3000 dollar loss 15 you know, you would always put it. Oh, let me just put it through insurance. Um, you have to be very careful now. Your car, you know, the base obviously it's based on the size of your risk, whether it be your uh, on a homeowner's and you know, uh, or your business insurance. But at the end of the day, you you only really get three claims, sometimes two, but at the most three claims with one carrier before you're going to get non-renewed. They just don't have it, you know this may be a surprise and I hope everyone, when, when you're listening to this, this is the time you should be sitting down because the big surprises and insurance companies don't like to pay claims. I know that might've been a shocker to you, but you know, when they're, when they pay and they you know, you're going to get non-renewed. So, you know, what do you do about that? The first thing that you should do on any of your property insurance, you really need to increase your deductibles and, you know, the days of having a $500 or $1,000 deductible really doesn't make that much sense anymore because you're not going to submit a claim for $1,500, $1,800. You should start with at least a $2,500 deductible. and In some cases, even go to a, a $5,000 deductible because at the end of the day, if you have a major loss, you know, you suffer $100,000, $200,000, you know, big losses, you can find, you know, the five $5,000 is nothing. And quite frankly, you just can't use your insurance to pay small little, you know, you have a slab. I break two slabs. No, you're not, you're not submitting that claim. You're just absorbing that. So you might as well get the credit and save some premium by taking a higher deductible. And that, use that same philosophy on your homeowners because it's even worse on personalized insurance than commercialized these days. Uh, and again, remember, all your claim information gets shared by all insurance companies. So you just can't hide it, you can't lie about it. You're they're they're they know what's there. So that would be one of the main things I would do because the market still, I mean carriers, our carriers look at it and say they want to get eight to twelve percent increases across the board. And you know, we obviously push back because you know, sometimes it's you know, if if they're getting exposure increase, so in other words, somebody's sales increase or payrolls increase, well, then the rate doesn't necessarily need to increase as well. So you know, that's, it's a tight market for what I would say. You need to be just very efficient in how you use your insurance. And again, you know, just, so you're going to self-insure a little bit of the small items now because you just can't, the industry doesn't, doesn't want small claims. And quite frankly, it's not in your best interest.
0: So three strikes, you're out.
1: Three Thank strikes, you you're out. <laughs> And then you'll really start paying because you'll pay, you'll get put into a specialty market. And it's a higher premium and the coverages aren't as good. Wow. So, yeah.
0: It's startling. I did not know that. Um, Good information. Well, so tell me a little bit about some of the uh, insurance risks that everybody knows about, uh, but you know, is specifically for fabricators like cyber.
1: Right. Well, on the cyber side, cyber uh, is, is a probably the biggest, largest and biggest frequency of claims that we see in the industry at the moment. Uh, The cyber criminal absolutely flourished during COVID. And it's really an industry all to itself. So everybody, everybody, whether you have a business or one person shop or 200 person shop, everybody has an exposure because everybody has a laptop or a computer and a cell phone. And the criminal element out there, if they want it, they're gonna take it. So you need to be very proactive in what you do before something happens. And then unfortunately, if something does happen, you better have the resources to get you out of that situation. And those resources really on your own, you're, you're, you're not gonna win, you, you need insurance. You need an insurance problem, a standalone cyber liability policy to protect your, your systems um particularly it's you you have so many people working from home still home systems aren't as secure as office systems you know you got dogs barking kids screaming you know somebody was going to just hear here here's my cell phone next you know they're pushing buttons they're opening things they shouldn't and you know even i think that this past week every day they've been talking about the airports you know oh don't put don't plug into just to the port that's i mean that's common sense, but you know one of the things with insurance mentioning common sense is that you know if, if most insurance policies had a stupid or careless exclusion, most claims wouldn't be covered. But insurance pays despite stupidity and carelessness, and so much of the cyber claim is just because people you know we we multitask. It's it's you know depending on where you're even you're even you know you're doing five things at once. You know you're on your phone. You know, even during this podcast, I guarantee you, somebody's watching this, listening this, and they're on their cell phone. They're doing something there. They're answering an email, and you open up and do something, and it says right after the face, "Maybe I shouldn't have opened that one." And next thing you know, you know, you got the pirate face with the big carrot in its mouth, laughing at you, saying, know, where's my ten thousand Bitcoin?" And what the industry has done, the, the criminal side, is they've now lowered their bar so that it's only a ten dollars or $15,000, $20,000 hit because everybody would pay that rather than acknowledging or going to the authorities or telling anybody they're embarrassed. So they pay it and it stays under the radar. And that really has hit the small, medium business owner tremendously. And considering all that's going on, you can still get a cyber policy for under $2,000. And really the, the, the biggest thing that you'll need to make sure you have implemented is what they call the MFA, the multi-factor authentication. I mean, that is the key to the whole thing, which basically just says when somebody's accessing your system from an off-site, they just get another message on their cell phone, and they have to authenticate it. Authenticate that it's them before they log in. But if you have not had a conversation about cyber liability from your broker, you—that is, you know—that is criminal. You need to. Get this taken care of the carriers that offer this. There's plenty of them out there. They give you pre-breach, post-breach. They do everything for you. If you suffer a breach before anything happens, the law says you have to notify every customer and prospect that you've had this. We've all gotten that letter from the big, the big box stores, the targets or Home Depot, any of them. They all said you've all seen that letter. So you got to do that. Get that out you have to offer a 3 to 5 year credit watch for anybody who wants it and then if anybody suffers an identity theft because of your breach you're on the hook and that's just the beginning now you have to hire your forensic IT person to go in there to find out where the breach emanated from that's you know that that's a tick 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 and all this time your your systems are down you're you're not able to operate and with a c you know if on a modern shop that has cnc equipment you know, they're they're going to hack into that. That's just another computer. People take credit cards. They don't use the chip on it. They take, enter it in manually. You know, say that people, you know, a few of the common things. Oh, I I use a third party credit card processor. I don't have to worry. No, oh, you do have to worry because you they're they're pushing downloads always into your system. You don't know if one's contaminated. And as soon as everyone puts in their credit cards, someone else is reading it. And You know, it's, it's a, it's a really, really dangerous. Endless.
0: It sounds endless. Never
1: ends. So, you know, at the end of the day, you just need to get a standalone policy. You'll have access to a lot of these resources to prevent the loss. And then more importantly, the resources to get you out of the issue that you're in once you suffer the loss.
0: So cyber is super important and, and you know the the world recognizes uh, right. that right and of course for fabricators going 100 ways to Sunday. <laughs> it's it. so easy to get you know lost in the abyss of what what to do there.
1: Right, um, and I mean the last thing when everyone says, Well, I don't really have to. I, we don't do much on it, and we put everything up in the cloud. Well, just as an fyi the cloud isn't secure that, that's just somebody else's computer. I mean, they call it the cloud, but it's it's not protected. You look at your contract; you're you're not protected. If you get a data breach, you're still going to be down. I mean, it's it it just you just don't store it on site. So don't think the cloud is your protection. The cloud is just someone else's computer. They may have some protection. If you have a third party IT person, just always make sure they have insurance. Get in. We're not going to get into risk transfer here today, but. You want to make sure you get a certificate of insurance that names you your business as an additional insured. This way, if your IT person makes a mistake, they're sort of be held responsible. But that only happens if you get that certificate. That'll be at another day. We'll discuss the risk transfers.
0: IT person? You mean the kid I mean a third party.
1: I, I, <laughs> a third party. <laughs> right. a I mean,
0: That's let's good. face it, a lot of shops, you know, uh, you know, you do what you can to get it done and and a lot of times it's not an official skilled trained um, person, just somebody that's really good at things that that covers those sorts of situations so to have coverage for that is really wise right, I mean think about the time lost for. Uh, one day when in a piece of an equipment breaks down and how many days and backlog and jobs, you are now sideways on right when right. I mean i've i've heard of a mill shop that actually was down for weeks um for a cyber ransom attack so it was a horrible situation um made better by the right you know coverage and the right uh support but boy that can be some serious stuff so speaking of industry specific now there's some things speaking of equipment uh that that you know from this industry that really doesn't necessarily apply to others but they're important uh, tidbits or takeaways that really can make a difference in how much your insurance costs right
1: yeah i mean you know like i say, there's three components that you have you know we have the the purity we have a distributor we have a fabricator we have an installer some people do one some do two some do all three so no one shop is really can be the same as the other shop some are bigger some are smaller um but that being said there are some commonalities that at least from a, uh, an insurance perspective you should say, if you are doing any fabrication and you have you know, saws, a bridge sawed edgers, CNC's, just whatever large equipment there, uh, what we see so many times is that, that that just gets built and insured under the business personal property coverage. Well, it's you know, your office equipment and everything, everything's lumped into that. You either own the building and you have building coverage, and then they give you this business personal property coverage. You know the biggest thing you pay for in that contents coverage is theft. As I, you know, in my 22 years, I have uh, not seen a bridge saw or a CNC or an edger stolen. Um, you know, it's just not a feasible thing. So we, it it should be rated as machinery equipment, which is going to carry a building rate, and the building rate is a much lower rate because you're not paying for theft, and that's a peril that you know you shouldn't and you know, once it's explained to a carrier, show it. A lot of times it's permanently mounted down to the ground. But even so, again, you know, who's picking up a bridge saw? Nobody. So, you know, and these things, you know, you you know, a decent sized shop's going to have between five to five hundred to seven hundred fifty thousand, sometimes a million dollars worth of equipment. That's a, you know, that's a lot of premium. That you can transfer and you still pay premium, but you'll pay a much more favorable rate Against that payment by moving it to a a building rate because it's not subject to theft. I also find from a liability perspective, you know so many shops, many of them get rated based on sales gross sales. And you know, in my opinion, uh, I like to always get a switch to shop payroll because a shop payroll is a much more manageable exposure. You can definitely continue to grow and your payroll doesn't grow in proportion. Uh, and I've never really been a fan of when because you are doing well and have a lot of sales, and I don't care what you charge, but the insurance company gets a piece of that action. Um, so I don't like it that way. And, and lastly, it also makes your record keeping even because your workers' comp and your liability then are consistent with an exposure basis being in this case shop payroll so majority of all our fabrication shops use that as the rating basis and it's just a much more stable number rather than the gross sales number so that would also make a, a significant impact but it also it's just better planning you know what your payrolls are going to be sometimes sales it's very much estimated payroll is a little bit more scientific and exact and it helps budgeting purposes and Again, you'll you just can lock yourself into it. So for us, that's a uh, that's that's something you should do. And you really should be meeting with your representative, your broker at least once, twice a year, just to make sure and look at your number. Go wait six months and see where you are to make sure, you know, hey, you you haven't added anything, taken anything off, but what your payrolls are at. And this, if there is some kind of dramatic change, you can make an adjustment so this way you don't get hit at the end of the year when they do an audit. You don't want to get crushed with a with a large additional premium, and because once what happens then is you get hit with a large additional premium, then they adjust your new your renewal policy, and you get a double double hit on cash coming out of the business. Um, you know those are three really important things that that work. Uh, you know, again, I would just make sure that uh, all of this really is important. But really, on top of this, that makes you even eligible for any of these things. The key is having a safe, clean shop. You know, without, without safety, and, you know, as it goes back to the claim scenario, nobody, you know, first of all, nobody comes to work with the intention of getting injured. And, you know, unfortunately, the technology within the shop has gotten to be so good and, you know, really a state of the art. That many times employees get complacent and they lose a respect for the property, forgetting the fact that you know these equipment, you know whether it be a, the forklift or an overhead, they're moving a slab, they're picking it up, and it's you know they're just balancing, they're just looking at it, but you know they got pot in their thing, they maybe a little phone rings, and they sort of forget that this thing. I mean, the slab, as I say, the slab is undefeated. No one's going to beat the slab. If the slab falls, you're losing a foot, a toe. Or you'll die. I mean, it's just that dangerous of a of an item. And that just needs to be constantly reminded to all employees. And that only happens by starting at the top. You know, I say many times that a safe shop doesn't happen by accident. You know, and it happens, you know, the the management, the owners have to 100 percent be on top of this. That's the one thing that I will say that, you know, having gone to so many shops all over the country. You know, you walk in the front door, you immediately know if it's a good or bad shop. You just look at that first windowsill and see what kind of dust or no dust. And then from there, you just move on and you can just see those that have pride and care. And, you know, once a day, twice a day, they they clean it, they have good, good filters. And a lot of that is really gonna be critical because, you know, without continuing the fear monger, the next big thing that may be out there is the silica. And everyone's talking about the silica again. It's a hot and cold item. But I do tell you that the uh the legal world and the trial lawyers are just circling, just waiting for it to hit. Because at some point or another, from the 70s and 80s, the fa- the contractors and fabricators that were slicing were a majority of it was dry, dry cutting. You know, it takes a while for silicosis to uh to, to build within this within your body, and you know, I, I've come across several shops now where they hire new fabricators. They X-ray these people on before they even start their job, so they get a starting point to know what their lungs look like before they started. And this way, it sort of insulates that they can't say that they got this at my shop, because we know in my shop we test for hearing, we test for air, and these are things that. You, you can't just put your head in the sand and say, no, nah, it's not going to happen to me. It's, you know, it it already is happening. I mean, you know, there's been a lot of lawsuits that are out there. And unfortunately, the way it works is if you looked at the product, touched the product, were involved in the transportation of the product, you're going to be named in a suit. So pollution liability, it's another non, you would think that this whole oh, pollution has got to cost a lot. A lot of contractors pollution. If you're doing any installation or doing fabrication, say you know like two thousand dollars for a million dollar limit, it's not a, a major ordeal. But you know I have to guarantee that a majority. If you look on your general liability policy exclusions, you're going to see a silicosis and a silica exclusion because most of the time regular carriers don't want to don't want to cover that. So. So
0: it's important to ask those questions, right, yeah. about your carrier. Yeah. Do do carriers uh, encourage, you know, the the good, the good sh- the good shop behaviors. I mean, is there is there some um, consideration there as well?
1: Yeah. So that good question. Yeah, on most of the groups. So NSI's example, has the accredited accredited, accredited uh, shops the installers. Uh, accredited uh, fabricators or everybody who's an accredited gets a, an additional discount on liability and workers comp. Even the the tile contractors, uh, NTCA has five-star shops. And you know it's not an easy thing to obtain because it takes about a year, costs some money, and you have to go through a lot of different testing, financial accountability, you have to have, deal with OSHA. But those people, those shops that do it, and there's plenty of them are, that is the, that's the top of the meeting. They take, they run their business as a business and they hold, you know, I, I consider it almost the same as, you know, you an accountant's an accountant, a CPA's an accountant that's what that extra level and being an accredited or five-star or shop that's, that's part of that network really, uh, it does give you savings. More importantly, it it also just prevents because you you've done so many of these things. It just makes it a safer environment, which ultimately will make you more profitable. And it's you know it's it's a standard to stand by because it's a uh, it really is important and they get it. Not all shops get it and understand. You know, you know. Well, oh, I'm small. There's only four of us. You know, in this case, size really doesn't matter. You know, safety is safety and you know, whether you're a small shop, then you should be able to clean this stuff up quicker. I mean, you know, it's not a a good excuse. So you're either committed to it and making it good or you you just gotta be very careful.
0: Well, and I think too, there's, you know, there's programs out there. If you're a really small shop and and you're bringing in shop staff, you know, just in the training, individual training, there's programs. um, Different manufacturers have different, you know, videos and training for shop staff. Uh I know Master of Stone with Caesar Stone is a is right. a good one. And that's now available to everybody. You know, right. you can you could have your staff, you know, log in and and record that they uh, went through that program and passed it. So there's there's options out there to um there is so to much mean, even
1: through mean through through ISFA, there's a ton of options through yeah. your even your own insurance carriers. You know, if you're not being told about some of the safety and the loss control and risk management things at your carriers, I mean, you know, just don't wait in the mail. You get in the mail, you get a renewal policy, you pay your insurance, you move on. You have to, you know, your your insurance broker needs to be your trusted advisor. You got an accountant, you got an attorney, and you got an insurance person. Those people, you know, they insulate you, make you sleep at night without having those three quality people in that, those positions, I don't know how you lie in bed and just stop thinking about what the heck's going on. Cause it's, you know, you're surrounded by people that are constantly pecking at you, trying to get into do bad things.
0: Well, and every, every, you know, everywhere there's an opportunity to start, right? I think sometimes people get stuck, you know, where do, where do I even begin if there's so much, but just even those simple, small steps, you know, having your staff view, view, you know, videos or recordings, all those little things, those five minute safety talks at every, uh, you know, shift change, right. things like that, they add up. And what they really, they, they really speak to is a culture that uh, values, you know, staff and, and retention and, you know, and, and all of that comes from, you know, leadership and in culture. Uh, right. well, we made
1: it. it's become very easy to yeah. get initiated yeah course, all they have to do is just give me a call <laughs> and call,
0: no. call and, there, and there you go there you go Mark. and
1: then you'll be making a step in the right direction to at least get some accountability as to to you know managing your business in a safe way and making sure you know at least you're aware of it I always like to make things a business decision you know you may not want to get it exist, but you should don't make it emotional. You know, look at the numbers, get something, see it, understand it. Then you can say yes, no, I'm not interested. I'm not gonna do that. But at least you made it an intelligent business decision rather than just something based on emotion or you know, you know, you know, just fake stuff. You just just be be smart. Because again, it's it's a different world. It's it's not our parents' world anymore, that's for sure
0: well Something. and and to begin you got to start so i agree yeah. call mark and and uh i like how you started unlike an attorney you know it doesn't start ticking when when you start talking oh, you know. and, uh, i'm so grateful for your time in, in all of these conversations and your support of the industry really mark, it's exemplary and i just i i can't thank you enough and you know if you're a small fabricator and you're you're struggling um mark mark will help you and then there might be a day right there might be a day where you step into the next program or the next thing uh to continuously update and minimize your risk and that's really the goal
1: yeah that is 100 to go and take accountability on your own you take charge don't don't wait for something you need to be proactive on this because it's it's only at the time of a loss that it matters and you know I always tell people okay you don't want to know not a problem just call me the day before the loss and I'll make sure you're covered but you know they don't know you know nobody knows when that day is but you know the point is is just you know hire beware
0: well that Murphy guy you know, <laughs> you know when <laughs> he's gonna when he's gonna hop forth and show his face right so that's that's just about being prepared. Thanks again, Mark. And
1: thank you. You know,
0: you can meet Mark. Uh, he comes to a lot of our uh, events and our roundtables and summits and things. And of course, our annual conference is this fall, August or sorry, October 16th through 20th. Um, but I think when this podcast launch, our next um, event is going to be uh, in the Chicago area for a fabricator shop tour crawl. So check that out. That's coming in July. And thanks again, Mark. And have
1: Thank a good- you. day. you. Alrighty. Bye-bye.
0: Thanks for listening. To hear more in-depth viewpoints, gain actionable insights and powerful tools to help you succeed, subscribe to the Behind the Surface podcast presented by the International Surface Fabricators Association. To learn more about ISFA, visit our website, at www.isfanow.org.